Hello and welcome to Eye on Africa. I'm Jean-Emile Jamin with the latest news from across the continent coming up on the show. Relentless rains in South Africa have claimed at least a dozen victims with the bad weather forcing government to declare a national state of disaster. It comes less than a year after the deadliest floods ever seen in the country, which killed 400 people. Then as the civilian death toll rises from rebel fighting in eastern Congo, more people are seeking refuge in the north Kivu town of Goma comes as the M23 rebel group continues to make significant gains in the region. And we'll take you to the African country supplying Europe with much of its Valentine's Day roses. But it's not all romance and love with soaring prices beset by the Ukraine war and a cost of living crisis destroying a blooming industry. Thanks for joining us. Floods triggered by heavy rains have killed at least 12 people in South Africa, with the country's presidency now declaring a national state of disaster. The bad weather struck the east, north and south of the country. The famed game reserve, the Kruger National Park, has been particularly badly affected, with several camps evacuated as a precaution. Our regional correspondent Nadine Teron reports from the storm. The death toll in South Africa is mounting as heavy rainfall is affecting seven out of its nine provinces. At least 1,500 people have been displaced in the Eastern Cape, one of the worst affected areas. The province of Mpumalanga, which borders Eswatini and Mozambique, has also been severely affected. This past weekend, tourists were trapped in the Kruger National Park as the reserve's roads were flooded. The park has evacuated tourists from four of its rest camps, which has since closed due to flood damage. The capital of Mozambique, Maputo, has also been affected and more flooding is on its way downstream from South Africa. The presidency says it's received reports of flooded homes, cars being swept away by floodwaters, dams and sewerage facilities overflowing and a loss of basic infrastructure like roads and bridges, as well as a flooded hospital. Farmers are reporting the loss of crops and livestock and children are unable to get to school. This comes about a year after heavy flooding in the KwaZulu-Natal province killed more than 400 people and displaced thousands. The South African Weather Services says heavy rainfall is likely to persist as it's caused by the La Nina weather phenomenon. This weather pattern causes heavy rainfall and lowered temperatures in South Africa's summer rainfall areas. But in other news from across the continent, elsewhere, the rain is just not falling down in Africa as Kenya faces its sixth consecutive failed rainy season. President William Ruto has announced plans for the country's first ever day of prayer this Sunday. The service will be held in the drought-stricken city of Nakuru, 160 kilometers from Nairobi. Then concerns are growing from pre for press freedom in Tunisia. This after police on Monday detained the head of Mosaic FM, Noureddin Boutar. Police have also taken political activist and lawyer Lazar Akremi into custody. This the latest in a wave of arrests targeting prominent critics of President Kais Saeed. And despite Uganda's government calling for the UN rights office to leave, organization officials are trying to strike a deal with Kampala that would see them continuing to work in the country. Last week, Uganda told the UN High Commission that the mandate would not be renewed uh, effectively expelling the rights monitors who have been installed there since 2006. The UN has 
confirmed at least 32 civilians were killed by rebel groups last month in the eastern Congo, Ituri province. 20 died at the hands of the Kodeko militia group and a dozen were killed by the Islamic State affiliate Allied Democratic Forces. All the while, the prominent M23 rebels have continued to make gains, leading to more people displaced in the region every day. Many are now fleeing to Goma, the capital of North Kivu province, where they seek relative safety. Caroline Lambole sheds a light on their story. This group has just arrived at this camp on the outskirts of Goma. Tired from their journey, they finally sit to take a rest. They've joined tens of thousands of others seeking to flee the fighting in eastern DRC. I had to flee. I saw soldiers carrying dead bodies and wounded people. We also heard explosions and loud bangs, and everyone started to run away. Some women had miscarriages because of the explosions. We were all afraid, and we had to run. Other people shared similar stories. Women having miscarriages as the fighting drew nearer, and packing up at a moment's notice, with nowhere else to go. I'm here because of the war. Coming here to Goma was the only option, because the M23 rebels control all the other territories. Life is hard here. We need help. M23 rebel forces are continuing to advance in the region. Last month, they captured Kichanga, just northwest of Goma. For weeks, there have been fears that the group could encircle the city, which lies on the border with Rwanda. In November, the group accepted to withdraw by mid-January. But a month later, the agreement has stalled. Last week, East African community states offered to split up the area occupied by M23 forces into zones of influence where regional troops would be deployed once the rebels' withdrawal is complete. A proposal which ruffled the feathers of the authorities in Kinshasa. About five banana plantation workers of the Cameroon Development Corporation, the CDC, were killed by unidentified assailants last Friday in the crisis hit southwest town of Tiko. Workers of the CDC have been frequently targeted by Anglophone armed separatists battling for an independent state since 2017. Switzerland has now called for dialogue, and the Cameroonian government and separatist groups, uh, in a bid to de escalate the tensions, Indira Eteng expands. The attack took place at about 5.30 p.m. local time as the workers uh, rounded off their day's work. At least five of the CDC plantation workers were killed and several others injured in the ambush. Now, according to authorities from the Cameroon Development Corporation, unidentified men attacked a vehicle which was transporting workers late that evening. The survivors of the ambush were treated for bullet wounds at the CDC Cottage Hospital in Tiko, in the southwest region of the country. This isn't the first time that workers of the Cameroon Development Corporation have been attacked by uh, gunmen, and uh, some of them have been killed in the past. This time around, no one has claimed responsibility for attack, but it is known that Anglophone separatist fighters have threatened workers of the Cameroon Development Corporation in the past, warning them to stay away from the state-owned agro-industrial giants. Meantime, the ongoing Anglophone crisis has left about 5,000 people dead and many more homeless and displaced over the years. The government of Cameroon continues to refuse to have talks with separatist fighters, despite uh, calls by Canada and Switzerland for mediation. Well, staying in the country, the streets of Cameroon have recently become the subject of a tug of war. Yango, 
a popular carpooling service, has been accused by transport unions of hijacking the market from irregular taxi networks. Faced with the threat of strike action, Cameroon's transport ministry has now sought to suspend Yango's activities. The decision hasn't gone down well with drivers, customers and associations linked to the hailing service. Indira Eteng and Marcel Amoko head to Yonder for this report. Yango's a free mobile cab network which has grown increasingly popular with Cameroonians over the past couple of years. Like Osera, there are many more people who have signed up to Yango to get around. The business operates similarly to Uber and is a subsidiary of the Russian company Yendex. I have noticed that many people around me use the Yango app. I'm really impressed by it. The cost, the comfort. I told myself this is how I'm going to travel now. Since arriving in Cameroon in 2001, Yango has been accused of usurping clients from regular yellow cabs. These accusations, amongst other things, prompted authorities to suspend the mobile cab service on the 6th of February this year. The company has been called upon to set up its headquarters, branch offices and have a representative or a joint venture in Cameroon. It also has to stay on top of its taxes to continue operating. The Ministry of Transport's decision has drivers like Paul considering a change in career if Yango's suspension is not reversed. I think the government will only react after the suspension. The issue will be sorted. If not, I honestly think I can't go back to driving regular cabs. Working with Yango was good. Since the decision, there have been fewer vehicles bearing the logo and colors of Yango on Yaoundé streets. However, some unmarked vehicles signed up to Yango still do surreptitious pickups. In the meantime, consumer organizations are hoping for a quick solution. As representatives of Yango clients, we want Yango to get its paperwork sorted so they can continue their work. Negotiations between Yango and the Cameroonian government in order to lift the suspension on the Russian mobile cab network are ongoing. About 400 Yango drivers will be affected if the ban is not reversed. And finally, millions of roses have been bought and sold this Valentine's Day. You might have been lucky enough to get a bunch yourself, but the industry is facing huge difficulties because farmers and businesses are struggling with rising prices, particularly in the one African country which supplies over a third of the EU's roses. Take a listen with our reporter Gavin Lee. If you've bought or received any of these today, then chances are this iconic token of love was grown here in Kenya. The country is one of the world's biggest providers of roses, but life for Kenyan companies and their workers has become a struggle to survive. The war in Ukraine and subsequent EU sanctions against Russia has left this Nairobi business short of customers. All our exports to Russia was passing through Netherlands. Now, since there is a restriction from Netherlands, there is no export to Russia, we are facing a bigger, bigger challenges. And also the Ukraine we had uh, around 5% of our volumes going into Ukraine also, which has completely stopped now. Kenya's ability to trade these flowers worldwide depends on the stability of commodities such as gas, oil and fertilizer. The euro we have seen in the last uh, 12 months have lost value uh, against the dollar on about 12-15%. And that is huge. That goes back to uh, all the expenses that we um, in car in terms of uh, importing uh, the materials that we use on the farm, but also when we export. 
Kenya's fresh flower industry has lost a reported $300 million this year. The effect felt by workers. Half a million Kenyans work in this sector. All business here has been towards Valentine's Day. People should continue to buy roses. The more they buy flowers, the more I earn a sufficient income that enables me to support my family. Companies are now working out how to invest in other parts of the world and breathe new life into Kenya's flower market. Well, we'll see if the industry does recover. Hopefully you have had an evening full of love, but that's all the news we have for now here on Ion Africa. There's more coming up on France 24.